Welcome to The Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Joining us today on The Athletics of Business podcast is a man I have so much respect for, Rob Roach. Rob is CEO and president of RSR Sports Management a firm that specializes in representing NFL players, coaches, and broadcasters, including my great friend here in Chicago, Deion Thomas. Rob has been a licensed NFL agent for over 20 years. He's an attorney in the state of New Jersey and a professor of sports management at the College of New Jersey, where he was also a wide receiver in college. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Rob by Chaz Servino, who is the president and CMO of today's business and Chaz was our guest on episode number 37 of the Athletics of Business podcast, which is absolutely an unbelievable episode as Chaz shares so much value with us. Now, Rob is involved in every aspect of his client's career development, and he takes their journey alongside them, helping them to obtain their dreams. One of those clients is Justin Tucker, who is the most accurate kicker in the NFL. He just signed a record-breaking deal that included, now get this for a clicker, it included an $8 million signing bonus. And Rob is going to tell us all about that process. As you can imagine, it is never as simple as it seems. But as Rob will tell you and is going to tell you, everything is negotiable. We dive into Rob's journey, his mindset, the culture of his agency, the character of his client list, and so much more. One of the things I truly respect about Rob is that nothing was ever handed to him, and he's going to share with us the three keys to success which he provides to his clients, his students, and those who work with him at RSR. Rob, I am so humbled and fired up and excited to have you joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Ed. Doing well. Glad to be here, brother. Hey, man. We got we got a lot to talk about. And, you know, before we jump into the Justin Tucker contract, because I want to jump in, I mean, head first right. into that, let's talk a little bit about your journey to get to where you are today, if we could. Sure. I mean, what, when I started it, I started at the College of New Jersey. I played football there, wide receiver there, and I knew, knew I wanted to be involved in sports and football some way, some fashion, mm-hmm. and wanted to make a living, earn money for my family, stuff like that. And one of the ways that I thought of doing that was to be an agent. And it was it was back like back in like 90, early 90s, and it was before Jerry Maguire came out, okay? <laughs> Just to give you that point of reference. And I wasn't going to go there, but okay. Yeah, it was. It was before that came out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, okay, how am I going to do this? So I knew it's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be an agent right. and represent football players. So I went to law school, got my law degree at Seton Hall University School of Law, was on a sports law journal there. And then when I got out, um, I got certified as an agent with the NFL Players Association. And, you know, they don't give him, there's no handbook in law school of how to be an agent or how to go get clients. So interviewed all the big firms, interviewed the NFL and stuff like that. Didn't obtain employment from those uh, institutions. And so what I did was, you know, one of the things I always think about is everything's negotiable, right? Everything's negotiable. So I said, okay, I know what I want to do. I want to represent football players, but how do I start? So what I did was I went to a firm in Madison where I grew up. And said, listen, said to the guys, the partners there, I said, listen, let me work for you guys, but let me have my own sports practice here, and I'll give you a piece of that, and let me start, have my own phone line, and stuff like that. And so basically, I negotiated my opportunity to start my own sports practice. 
Right? I, I love that. Everything is negotiable. Now, wait, let's back up though. So you decide you want to be, you want football in your life. You don't want to make money and you know, you're not going to do it with cleats on and the helmet on. Right. So you, so you decide to become, cause it's not easy to become an agent. Did you have a mentor or someone in your life that could at least point you in the right direction of what to do? Or was this just kind of a, no, I mean, my grandfather always owned his own businesses. He was my mentor. Right. But like, besides that, I didn't know anybody in the business and had no contacts in the NFL whatsoever. And, uh, but I knew I didn't want to be miserable at the job I did. Right. I, I worked, I did a clerkship for a year with a judge when I first got done law school. And then I worked for an insurance defense firm. And, you know, I, I was doing personal injury, personal injury protection files, PIP files, right. Mm-hmm. Where I do yeah. you know, depositions and stuff. <laughs> right. And I was miserable. Oh, I can't and, see you being real happy doing that. No, I wasn't very happy. <laughs> People I worked with, I loved them, but I didn't like the job I was doing. Right. So I actually kept a picture. I still have it on my desk of me at my desk at that job with all these pip files behind me and I keep it as a reminder I say okay this is not where I want to be and this was not when I was happy so to try to you know find my true authentic self and be happy doing what I'm doing that's when I made the leap and started the small practice in terms of doing sports stuff I mean I'm trying to say this the right way I guess the easiest way to say this was you got some cojones I mean that that was a that's a bold yeah. move I mean it really yeah. is you have no one you know is it safe to say that the majority of people in your business that are very successful have someone to kind of say, okay, you've got to do A to get to B to get to C. And by the way, I'll do an introduction here, but you got to work your lips off there to get to there. Yeah. Or they got someone they know or family member who's worked in the business right. or works in the business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, definitely takes kahunas hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. But I knew what I wanted to do. So now you're in the business. What happens? Now you're in the business. Okay. You got turned down by those other firms, but you negotiated yeah. your way into the business. Why, why, why did you get turned down? Was there kind of a common theme? Was it just lack of experience? I had no experience. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any experience. I didn't, I had to work through law school, so I didn't have an opportunity to do internships. And the back at that point, internships weren't that prevalent. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any experience doing what I wanted to do. I wrote an article on agents that was published in a sports law journal for my school, but mm-hmm. that was about it. So I had no experience, but so, so what I did was I just recruited, you know, I went out, got a list of the beginning of internet age, believe it or not, and went out and recruited. And, and my the last meeting I had that year, my first year in was a meeting in St. Louis, St. Charles, Missouri with Neil Rackers mm-hmm. and, you know, went out, he went from university of Illinois, went out when met with him, his mom, Mary Kay, rich rockers and, you know, knocked at the door, sat at their kitchen table. And the most interesting thing is, you know, in the meeting, Neil asked me, Neil asked me, he's like, Rob, he's like, who else are you here to see? I'm like, I don't know. I'm here to see you, bro. I'm going to see you, meet with you, go down, you know, catch a plane, go home. He said, oh, okay. Right. And so later on, after we were working together, I, I asked him, I said, you know, listen, I had no freaking experience, bro. I said, why did you sound with me? What was the reason you sounded me? He said, because when I asked you who you're here to meet with, who else you're here to see? He said, you, just, you said you're here to see me. Everybody else came in to meet with them was there to meet with somebody else. They're going to be the running back from Illinois. And while they're there, they'll actually meet with the kicker. So I knew you're going to bust your ass for me. I said, all right, it was good. It works out. And it worked out. He got drafted by the, in the sixth round by the Bengals. He got drafted before Tom Brady. How about that? <laughs> How about that for a trivia question? There we go. Huh? There you go. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you only knew though, right? Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> that, yeah. Is, that is pretty um, – there's a lot to be said about that though, isn't there? Because really the guys that go in there are being honest with them saying, hey, I'm here to see you and this guy and this guy. They're just being honest. Like they just – they don't know. Right. But the fact that – You wouldn't that know the reference point of the question. Right. right. Yeah. 
Right. That's pretty cool. So when did you, when did you really start to get traction when you're like, okay, I can, you know, I'm not eating ramen noodles my whole life. This shit, this is going right. to work. Right. When I, I got rackers and then I got, you know, kickers are, I didn't set out to be a kicker guy. I never seen a lot of kickers, but rackers uh, was friends of Shane Graham. And then Shane asked me to help him get in the league. And then, you know, from there I got Josh Brown and I got a bunch of kickers. And so when I had, when I knew I was going to be able to really make a living out of it, I was in Hawaii at the Pro Bowl, and I had players on both teams. I had Shane Graham, I had Neil Rackers, both yeah. in the Pro Bowl. I said, it's pretty, okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I was able to negotiate some good contracts for Shane and, and for Neil as well mm -hmm. at that point. What was yeah. that like going in the first few times negotiating when, I mean, you were so wet behind the ears, and they're looking at you like, you know, some, someone just threw some meat into the lion's den right there. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I'll tell you what. I felt like I was going to be sick. <laughs> I remember calling Jim yeah. Lippincott from the Bengals, right? Every time yeah. I talked to him, he said, take a deep breath, you know, pick up the phone and dial it. And I thought I was going to be sick because, you know, you're trying to learn what to do, what to ask for, what not to do and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that's the best way to learn, basically. Yeah. For me, it was. Yeah. So, but you get that queasy feeling, but you just got to suck it up and dial the phone. So how conscious were you of you're really building relationships on both sides, right? Because you have right. to go back to the teams at some point for the negotiations or for a future client of yours. How tricky was that to build those relationships, both when you're, you're representing your client, your guy, but yet, you know, you also got to respect the team and, and what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, a lot of guys on the team they're dealing with, they understand as well too, because they got to report to an owner or they got to report to a GM. If you're dealing with a contract negotiator, it, or the GM's got to report to the actual uh, owner, okay? So they get it. When I say, say, listen, I got a guy I got to represent. So what you tell me here, I got to take back to my client, and I got to do a good job for my client and do the job I need to do for my guy. So just like you got to go back to your owner or your GM and explain what we're talking about here, you got to do that too. I got to do it as well. So I got to protect my guy's interest, so that's not going to work for me. Right. Or this is not going to work for me, but we could do this, and let's talk about doing that and try to re reach a resolution. You know, and I think that's a good segue into, I, I was doing some research on the contract with Justin um, yesterday and earlier today. And I think I read an article from what it had been 2016 or 2017 when he first started talking about the new contract. And it didn't seem like things were going real, real well with Baltimore. Well, yeah, that was the first contract. Oh, was that yeah. the first one? Okay. So that, that was, was the first that's one. Two, two years ago then? It would have been three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. 2016. Yeah, three okay. years ago. So. God, it is 2019. See, I'm trying, I'm trying to slow down time. All right? right? I know. It's yeah. crazy. Nah. But yeah, that was 2016. And that was okay. a bear. That was a tough one. Okay. You know? Because we were still at that point trying to establish with, with the Ravens at that point that Justin was the premier, premier kicker in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And at that point, there was Justin, there was Steven Goskowski, and some other guys who were in the mix as well. Um, and that's the, that's the rub we had in that deal of trying to, to hurdle that thing. So how'd you work through that? What we did on that was we compromised and said, okay, we want to be the highest paid guaranteed guy. So what we were able to do was we were able to get Justin the highest guarantee for a kicker at that point in time. Okay. And I believe it was 10.8 at that point. He got 10.8 million fully guaranteed. So let's talk three years later. Let's talk about what, what you just got this past April. Yeah, that was a good day. <laughs> let's take, take that was us a good through, day. Take us, take us through that day. Matter of fact, hey, let's do this. Take us like through the few days leading up to it, and how things were were shaking out. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're the Ravens approached us. Justin had one more year on his deal left. Okay, he was. We did a four year deal in 2016, so we did three years of that four year deal. Okay, and so they approached us this spring 
and said, hey, listen, Justin's one of the guys we're targeting. We'd like to get an extension done for him before, you know, training camp and stuff like that. And we'll really like to work towards get that done. So we were like, yeah, sure. You know, be more than happy to talk about it. And, you know, they sent over us an offer. You know, we reviewed it, stuff like that. We sent about a counter offer and we went back and forth until we actually were able to say, okay, you know what? This works for us. You know, we can do this. And they, you know what? To, to the Ravens' credit, to Pat Moriarty and Eric DaCosta, GM there now, they were aggressive. You know, they were aggressive and they came out and said, listen, this is what we want to do. And the first thing Pat said to me, he said, listen, at this point, we're not going to even quibble that, you know, whether or not Justin's the best kicker in the NFL. We believe he is the best kicker in the NFL. So let's try to work and see what we can do here to get this done. So they guaranteed him $12 million, right? Uh, 12.5. 12.5. Okay. And the yeah. overall contract was worth somewhere like 23, 23 million overall. And it was okay. $20 million new money in the extension. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's unbelievable. The cool thing is 12 and a half million fully guaranteed. And we got a $9 million in the first year. Like that's wow. pretty cool. God bless that's America. That's unbelievable. God bless America. <laughs> yeah. USA. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. So how did that conversation go with him when you said, okay, here's what we have. It's like, you know, Rob, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty good, Rob. You know, you know that's pretty good. Yeah. But no, he was pumped though. That's obviously, he, he was pumped because, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off of him too. Like, you know, he's got a, he's, he's set now. He knows what he's got. He's able to go out there and perform. And that's the beauty of it. He's able to just go out there and perform and do what he does best. So that's, you know, that's, that's, that brings up an interesting point because that's really what you're trying to do is put these guys in position and, and put their mind at ease, right? And take care of as many things for them away from actually the field and what they're supposed to do to execute, to put their mind at ease. But yet you sit here and you grind every single day and every single thing you do is deal with adversity, deal with situations, deal with fires, if you will. How do you handle that? Take it a day at a time. You know, I mean, I, I got You got to try to compartmentalize between each client, okay? And then you got compartmentalize about each day, basically. Take it a day at a time. Just like my guys, like my kickers, my receivers, stuff like that. I tell them take it one play at a time. Mm-hmm. Take it one kick at a time. You know, for kickers, you you got like what, one point eight seconds that you actually got to perform. Mm-hmm. I said, you just focus and lock in for that one point eight seconds, and that's what I do with all my day. I have to get my list every day of what stuff I got to do, stuff I got to handle for each guy. Check it off as I go down the list. So, but yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, I really love what I do. Right. No, I do love what I do. I'm passionate about it. And it's not like, you know, it's not like working. It is working, but it's not. Right. Because, you know, you're able to actually compete. Mm-hmm. You know, at this age, I was in athletics all my life. There's very few things you can compete in as you get older. Mm-hmm. And with regards to uh, this type of work, mm-hmm. I'm competing every day. Mm-hmm. I'm competing to get clients. I'm competing to keep clients. Yeah. I'm competing to actually get new deals for my guys, yeah. and to find you know different revenue streams of revenue for them, yeah. whether it be off the field stuff or whatever. You know, and, and you talk about you compete for you know you compete to keep the guys that you have right. And I talk to corporations about that all the time about recruiting your current talent. You know, right. don't don't forget about them. You have to keep selling them every single day. It's the way it is. How do you do that? Just by being being there, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, being available, being there, and just talking to them. You know, and then see what they need. You know, what, what are your needs? What you're, what are you looking for? And, uh, but being there is the key thing, you know, talking to them. Yeah. What's, what's your breakdown of curiosity? What's your breakdown in terms of your client's position? In terms of actual like position? The, the yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah but, I got a, I got a lot of, I got Justin, I got Brett Maher, I got Chase McGlock with the Bills. So I got a bunch of kickers, good mm-hmm. core, you know, kickers. I got a good core of long snappers. Mm-hmm. I have a couple, two wide receivers as well that I represent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's about it at this point. Yeah. So who's, is it a similar mentality between the three of them? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're all pretty much, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Everybody is different, but they all just want to perform. Right. You know, they all want to perform, but each guy has different needs. Right. You know, some guys want some more off the field stuff. Some guys, that's not important to them. Okay. Um, and other guys, you know, just, just want to focus on kicking and doing their thing. Yeah. Right. How do you, how do you identify the off the field stuff with stuff that's going to fit your guy's personality? You know, like does someone come, when you come, come to you with a, you know, an idea, Hey, we've got this, we'd like so-and-so to do it and we'll give him this much money and it's good money, but you're like, it's not a fit for him. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll know before I even put it to the client, whether or not they're going to want to do it. I, most of the time I usually do. And I'm usually right. Cause I always say to myself, okay, do I think he's going to want to do this or not? And then, you know, make my decision. But right. then I'll give it to the client, and then the client will let me know whether or not they're into it or not. Yeah. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. Yeah. Most times I'm on point because if you know your guys, you're going to know what they're into or not. Well, and just it, it comes with the experience. But it, how how difficult were the growing pains that you went through in this business? Because if you know if if you're listening, you don't understand the agency business. I mean, speed and timing is everything, is it not? I mean, right. it's now I should say everything, but it's so important, speed and timing, but yet the ability to, to get inside of that and really develop the relationships that are sustainable and are, and are sincere and authentic. But what were some of the growing pains where you really like, man, this is brutal. Like, do I really have this in me? Yeah, I'll tell you, well, you know, I was spoiled because my first guy was Rackers and he got drafted. Right. right. So he gets drafted. I'm like, oh man, this is cake. This, this is easy, man. This is going to be great. Go. Fool's gold. Yeah. yeah. Right. In 10 yeah. years from now, I'm going to have 40 guys in the NFL. Yeah. But, uh, but no, so it's different. It, it is, it is challenging when you're, you know, trying to represent guys and you got guys, certain positions, I got a lot of kickers, stuff like that. So what I'll get a lot of times from, from other agents and stuff like that guys I'm competing against is, oh, he only represents kickers. But if you actually step back and look at it, I just got a kicker $9 million in the first year mm -hmm. of his contract. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's only 32 kickers in the NFL. So compare that to compare it to like to the second best, the third best, the fourth best, just to give, give the listener a point of reference. Cause it's pretty amazing. Right. Right. I think the, Graham Gano is the one who has the second best contract at this point, you know, but I mean, Justin was like, Justin pretty much beat his own deal. You know, we had Justin and Goskowski, you know, those were pretty close as well in terms of deals before we did this one. Um, so, but no one's gotten like the highest sign bonus was 6 million. Justin got 8 million. The highest guarantee I think was, was not, was 9 million. We got 12.5, mm -hmm. you know, so we'd be beat it by like three and a half million dollars. And that's, you know, you might look at two versus three. No, that's not chump change. That's a lot of money. Three and a half million dollars, three and a half million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then what do you, okay. So, so you had a success, right? And you had it early, but how do you sustain it? Cause that's, that's tricky too. Yeah. Cause it's easy to, you know, to be a fat cat and to be like, oh, this is easy. I'm going to chill out and just try to, try to let the clients come to me. Yeah. You got to recruit. You got to recruit every time, every, every, you know, May, you got to start getting out on the road and start going out and recruiting these guys, getting mm -hmm. on the phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to actually every year, you got to refill the guys that maybe either get cut or retire, or whatever happens. You got to try to, you know, replenish, you know, the guys you got in the league because I, you know, I have my own business. I eat what I kill. Right. Yeah. There's, that's it at the end of the day. And, and when you talk about recruiting your clients, okay. Similar to a lot of other businesses, if you're in the financial world or things like that, where say you're, you're an investment banker, you're a financial planner, you're in the mortgage business where you've got to go pick clients that fit you. How intentional are you about that recruiting the type of people that you want to represent? 
Yeah, I mean, that's big. You, mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head, Ed, because that's big. Because I don't get the big flashy type guys. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not my cup of clientele, right? I'm going to get the guys who bust their ass, who've been very successful. Um, and you learn when you're recruiting, when you're talking to the guys, you learn whether or not who's going to be a good fit for you. And it kind of works itself out. It works itself out. So I'm looking for guys, you know, who aren't the most flashy, flashy kind of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, but yet, if I got a guy, flashy guys running a 4-2 who says he wants to sign me, you know, we're more than happy to talk right. to him. Yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah. What, else, what else do you look for with guys that you want to sign? Um, I look for good family support, you know, that they got good family support because you know they're going to be brought up well, brought up positively. And I always look for what's in between the ears, okay? How do they process things mentally? Are they going to be able to, when, you know, it's crunch time, are they going to be able to step up? You know, when you look, look, see, are they always blaming other people for stuff that's happened in their life? Are they taking responsibility? Are they accountable? Okay. And are they passionate about what they do? And if you got some of those qualities, then it's a good fit. Because, you, you know, you, you kind of, you, what are seats on level? I'd say a cliche, but it's true. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's so true because, you know, when you talk corporate side, we start talking organizationally, you know, build a culture that's worth fighting for and don't bring people in that are going to compromise that. But I can remember when I was a college basketball coach, one of the first things I would look at is how did the kid treat his teammates? How did, right, the, kid, yeah. how did the kid warm up? How did the kid treat his mother was a huge right. one. I mean, if you treated your right, mother yeah. like, like garbage, it was it. I, and if we kept recruiting you, I was not going to be a part of the recruiting process. And when it came time right. to a collective decision as a staff, I was not, I didn't have your back, you know? And, and how did you, you know, if I went in the weight room and watched you live with your team, were you spotting other people? Right, right. You just do, or you do it in your own thing. Are you right. doing, not nowadays, are you looking at your phone? Right? Yeah. Are, you, are you looking yeah. at looking at yourself in the mirror? That's that's interesting. And now, again, point of it, reference: you you got in the business before Jerry Maguire came out, so it's not I like did. it's not it, like you picked this up from Jerry Maguire. But how having a style like this? Where did this come from? Because obviously, somebody treated you like this. There had to be someone that impacted you, whether it was a coach, a teacher, a parent, your great your grandfather. I mean, it had to be someone that impacted you like this. Yeah, it was probably my grandfather. You know, it's probably my grandfather because he, he actually started his own business and he owned um, restaurants and he owned restaurants, opened them up and stuff like that. And they sold them and stuff like that. But uh, he always did well with people. It was relationships he had with people and how he treated people. And you see, you know, he was kind to people and you see people were glad to see him when he came in the door. And it's kind of, that's how I've learned in terms of building my business. You do it one client at a time. And, you know, dealing with the GMs, dealing with the people in the NFL, you deal with those people in a way that you'd want to be treated. And it comes back around. You know, it, it comes back around. You get referrals from guys from sources that you never thought you'd get a referral from, but it's because you treated the person right years ago. Right, right. Which is pretty cool. No, that's very cool. And that's what it's all about. And, you know, to go back to what you're talking about, you know, someone who's not flashy, someone who has family support, right? They have it between years. It's inevitable that at some point, all of us at some point, we're going to change. We're going to change or something's going to happen. We're not going to make the right choice. It doesn't mean we get arrested. It doesn't mean we do something awful, but all of a sudden there's that little tweak in our personality. that isn't the best. Is that a bit of a challenge or or do you run to that fight to have that conversation with your clients when you see that happening? I I think you have to, I have the conversation. How do you, how do you do that? Just straight up, straight up say, listen, what are you thinking? You know, what are you talking about? You know, what are you thinking about here? And I think you might want to look at it this way. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I'm not here to actually preach to kids, preach to my clients, but try to, you know, be a point of reference for them and a mentorship. 
You know, mm-hmm. I when you ask about it, who do you mentor, who mentors you, you know, as an agent, you are a mentor. You know, I am mentoring my clients and helping them guide them through the process. For you know, for most of these guys, all the guys, they've never been through this process before. So I'm one of the best things to actually help them guide them through that process of the draft, of free agency, of actually getting in the league, and then what to do. And then a lot of times we'll have a veteran on the team that'll help them also as well along the way too. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. Um, I don't know if I answered that. that no, you did. You, you, yeah. No, absolutely spot on. And do you have, this just popped in my head. Do you have um, some kickers, you know, I don't want to use the word stable, but you know what I mean? On your, on your client list on your client roster that have been in the league for several years and all of a sudden you have a new kicker come on board and you use the older kicker for almost to be a mentor or to answer questions or to, to develop a relationship with that younger kicker to help them along. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's happened in the past. Yeah. With mm-hmm. guys in the past where they actually talk to each other and they all know each other. And the yeah. cool thing is about the kickers is like before each game, before they, each game, they hang out. They hang out and they'll yeah. go to the, you go to the, you know, to the 50 yard line, talk, yeah. Hey, what's up? You know, da, da, da. Right. and with my guys, I always make, always say, make sure like when Brett, I'm trying to think who played this year, we were playing against each other. You know, when Brett was playing Matt McCrane, I think, or, or Brett was playing uh, Rick Lovato. I got okay. Rick Lovato and Eagles and okay. Brett on, awesome. on the Cowboys. I said to the Brett and Rick, make sure you guys say hello to each other before the game. You know, and they'll go talk and say, how you doing? Da, 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 da. And, you know, yeah. joke, joke about me as well. You know, say a couple of funny things. Yeah, that's and, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, uh, which is good. You that, know? That, that is, yeah. It's that the is family cool. thing, Ed. You know what I'm saying? It's like this, uh, I always try to preach to my guys and talk to my guys like, this firm's a family. So everybody mm-hmm. that I represent, you know, you've always got access to call them or talk to them as to, you know, things you might be going through that might need some help with and stuff like that. So how, how is that for you? You have all these clients to, to worry about. And I don't want to say worry about it. You have all these clients to focus on, right? But yeah, you have your firm. I mean, you're this firm to run. And I know you have people working there and helping you run it, but it's still yours. I mean, you still right. have to, at the end of the day, it's you whose signature goes on everything. Is that a, a challenge for you to balance your attention and where go, you know, what goes where? I see. I don't know. I, I, I love it. Yeah. Like, I think that's pretty, what you just said there, like, yeah. that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, yeah I agree with it's, you. Yeah. It's pretty cool because, like, whether it works or it doesn't work, that's on me. You know, so it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but I love it because, like, I'm responsible. I'm accountable, whether or not it's successful, whether or not. And I've made good, good choices sometimes. I've made bad choices sometimes. But they're my choices, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is cool. So, yeah, it is stressful. I mean, you know, like, like like any business, you know, you have ups and downs, you have stresses in your life in the business. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't, I'd rather, you know, there's nothing I'd rather do yeah. the way I do it. Yeah. I, I mean, it is very cool. And now I'm going to ask you a question. It might seem a little odd. I don't know if you've been asked this question before. I'm very, with, with my executive coaching clients, we really focus on the feedback loop. Every two weeks, we're going to have a feedback loop. And, you know, they can call yeah. me as much as they want, text me, email me as much as we want. But every two weeks, we're going to be real intentional about going back and looking back in the previous two weeks. Do you, with your clients, do you ever have those, okay, how are things going in your eyes? You know, Justin, how do you think I'm doing representing? Right. Give right. me some feedback that I can run with and do something with. Do you do that with your clients? Sometimes I've done that. I haven't done it probably much as you would do it in your business. You know, I haven't done that as much, mm-hmm. but I have in the past done that. And what I'll do too is each negotiation that I've done with my guys, the bigger negotiations, I'll look back at those neg- negotiations, try to learn from it and mm-hmm. say, okay, how could I have handled this situation differently? And there's some negotiations like, man, you know what? I, you know, one in particular, I remember that I should have handled differently way back when, 
you know, you know what I'm saying, in terms of what I was negotiating for, what I wanted to get. Um, because it didn't work out the way I wanted to or to, for the client. Okay. I mean, he worked out fine, but I think I could have done better in certain situations. Right. You know, so that, that self-appraisal is important in terms of, I've done it in negotiations, not as much with regards to the client feedback, you know, because it has been positive, you know, you know, but as to your point, you don't want to find out something after the client moves on to somebody else. Yeah. Right. It's a good point. Is it pretty hard? Is it pretty hard in your business to, I don't want to say, is it hard to keep your clients, but is it hard to really be cognizant and aware of everything that's going on with them? Like who's trying to get to them, who's talking to them, you know, who's trying to go through who to get to them. You know, it all depends upon your relationship with the guy. Mm -hmm. You know, some guys I've lost clients before. It's just part of business, but it's, it's, you know, you, you get red flags come up and you get warning signs sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I'll hit a red on the nose head. It's listen, how are we doing? Are we good? You know, are we good? You know, that question, are we good? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I'll get an honest response and sometimes I'll get a not honest response. Which you'll know it's a not honest response, right? No, it's a not honest response. You know, probably about maybe a month or two later, you're going to get a phone call from that guy mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. like, it's tough because you got every Tom, Dick and Harry who wants to be an agent, who's trying to be an agent or is an agent trying to steal your guys. They're always trying to steal your guys. If you got guys, if you're successful and you got successful clients, people are trying to steal them. And that goes back to recruiting your guys and keeping your top talent, doesn't it? Yeah. hundred percent. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I was about to ask you again, well, how do you do that? But you said it, it's just a relationship and it's a fact. And you said something that's, you know, in coaching, I always took it very personal. It's not, let's be like a family. It's we, we are a family. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. There's, there's a big, there's a big difference to that. Um, and, and that's a difference. Like, you know, I compete against all the big firms, yeah. right? The CAAs and all that kind of stuff with the big firms. That's a difference between me and a CAA mm-hmm. is that my stuff is a family and you pick up the phone, you call, you're going to get me. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get some other lackey in the office, but you're going to get me. And that relationship you're going to have with that agent, it's going to be you and me. And I'm going to be busting my ass to get you to deal. And I'm not going to have eight players at a, you know, in a draft cycle that I'm trying to place. Right. So that's, right. This, this, you know. Have any of the big dogs tried to pick, and I'm sure they have, tried to oh, pick yeah. you up? Nah. Yeah. How, how do those conversations go? In terms of what? Try to pick clients off of me? Well, no, no. Not trying to, to get you to go with them. The bigger uh, agencies. I've had one or two conversations about that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I did Justin Tucker's deal right? Biggest contract ever for a kicker. I don't have to share with anybody. Mm. Right. Right. So that, that's pretty cool. Right. Well, and yeah, you don't so want to, but you, like you just said, you don't want to, you don't want to lose that personal touch. I mean, correct. You, and you that's what makes me distinctive. Yeah. So I, to answer your question, yes, I've had, I had questions about that. If I wanted to go with a bigger firm and stuff like that, Yeah. but I, you know, I enjoy what I do, you know, and it gives me time just like my friends and family it gives me time to spend time with my family, which has been invaluable. Yeah. And I got two boys of my own and I'm able to actually, you know, today I'm going to go to my son's track meet. Cool. You know, and if I'm working for a big firm in the city, I don't know if I'm able to do that. Yeah. Does he have dad's athletic ability? He does. Yeah. He does. He's fast. Good. You know, he's a fast kid. That's yeah. awesome. That's fun. So, yeah. Which is good. You know, and you can't get those years back. So you, 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 Hey, you're a competitor, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're a big time athlete. You're a competitor. You're very successful. At what you do. Do you still, did you keep a mental note of those firms that said no to you when you were first? Oh training? yeah. <laughs> I still remember. I tell you what, bro. I still remember. I still remember being in that office one time. Right. Mm-hmm. I went in, met, it took me months to get this interview with this cat. Right. 
It's yeah. funny to ask this question because yeah. yeah. I, I teach sports Why? management at, at College of New Jersey. I okay. teach yeah. college for Which one night awesome. a week. Yeah. And like I've talked about this in my class. I remember I'd go in and talk to the guy. The dude was wearing flip flops, a windbreaker, and shorts in the dead of winter. Yeah. Okay. Never looked up from his paper. Never looked up and just conduct the interview looking down. And he told me, just go be a lawyer. Cool. Yeah. Right, yeah. He's like, don't, you don't, don't be a sports agent. Go be a lawyer. Okay. Wasn't a positive experience for me. I put no. it that way, Ed. Okay? But he did, he did you a favor, though, by not hiring you. He did. He yeah. did. He didn't mean to, but he did. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I remember when I got on the elevator there, I said to myself, you know what? When I'm on the other side of that desk, I will never treat somebody yeah. like I was just treated. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I've, I've been true to that. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. I mean, I just kind of got goosebumps. And when you, when you think about that and are able to keep that, you know, we're sitting here talking just weeks after you signed this huge contract and you still have that story in your head. It's pretty amazing. Right. Do you ever bump into those people? Uh, no. No. Yeah, it's probably, probably better that way. No, listen, you know what? Yeah. That dude, I'm sure, you know what? He had a thousand things going on in his life. He could, yeah. You know, did he really want to talk to Rob Roche, you know, <laughs> law student? He probably, you know, at that point, it was the last thing he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. But it had an impact on me. I can tell you that. So is that something you're always real good at taking negative situations or negative, you know, negative outcomes and, and, and making them a positive? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, I guess you're probably right. Making what they say, make uh, lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. That's one of the 10,000 sayings. They have. There you yes. go. Yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go cliche on you. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's funny though. Cause you, you think about that at some point, you know, it all comes around, doesn't it? And it's going to show, it's going to show up at some point in your journey. And I'll tell you what, Ed, if you keep putting out, you know, good stuff, if yeah. you keep putting out good vibes and good stuff, it comes back to you. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that, that it, those are one of my core things. It truly comes back to you. Like you want to see people succeed. Yeah. I, I do want, I want to see people do well. 100%. Yeah. 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 So do you, do you, do you enjoy teaching the sports management courses? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Cause I get to tell those students what I wasn't told when I was sitting in that class. Okay. So let's talk, how important is that? Let's talk about that first. How, 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 like everyone sits here and complains about the millennials, complains about the different generations, complains about the people coming in in the workforce, but isn't it our job? Isn't it our responsibility as leaders to figure it out, you know, to figure out how to, and one of the things is telling them things that nobody ever taught us. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. So, so, well, you know, what, what goes through, can't ask you what goes through their head, but what is their response like when you start sharing stories and telling them some of the things that they just don't really get? Well, that's what's pretty cool about it because, like, the story I told you before about working in an insurance defense firm with that one with the picture I have. Okay. Yeah. So, like, this year in my class, what I did was on my PowerPoint, I put up, you know, how do you define happiness? Like, how do you define happiness? And I put up the one picture for me doing the, uh, in insurance defense firm where I was miserable. Okay. And I told him, I said, this was me. This was not happy. I was not, you know, that wasn't my true happiness. And what I did was then I took another picture and it was me with Rick Lovato at the Super Bowl party, after party, after Eagles won it. I said, now that's happiness right there. Okay. And so it's like trying to make sure making, asking them those questions and making them think about it in terms of what makes them happy. What's their ROI on their, their life. Those type of things. Yeah, the first thing I do in class is have them take out a piece of paper and write down what they're passionate about and what they would love to do. If they could do anything in the world, what would they love to do for a living? And I make them write it down. I said, then I tell them, why not you? Mm-hmm. Why not you? Somebody's got to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. 
but no one asked me those questions. Like, you know, you, you sometimes you get conditioned to do what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was supposed to go to law school, go, go out and get a job with the law firm working 80 hours a week and, you know, doing depositions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds entertaining. Yeah. It sounds real fun, doesn't it? <laughs> but you know, yeah. but that's the, you know, the path that I was on. Yep. Yep. And they take a step back and say, okay, you know what? What really is my true happiness? What is my ROI return on investment in my life? Do I want to be able at four o'clock to see my son run track? Well, and that's it. And, you know, you think about it. That's just the way we were raised, right? No one really, because yeah. that's the way our parents were raised. And that's the way it, it just sort of trickle down effect, however you want to word it. But, you know, I, I remember when I went to college pre-med, it was like, okay, here's a class you got to take. Here's a, did you ever stop to think why I'm doing this? And is this really what I should be doing? Or do I have that? You know, I grew up a coach's son from the old Catholic league in Chicago. Is that, right. do, do I, maybe I do want it. I it's just, no one ever told me that. It's like, you have this track you're supposed to follow once you might've mentioned what you're thinking about doing. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, no, 100%. Uh, yeah. 100%. yeah that's, my dad, my dad was a guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. Right? He was a guidance counselor. And that's what, you know, he wanted me to take a civil service test yeah. to be like a probation officer working in the post office. Right. And I remember looking at it, I was like, Dad, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't, I don't yeah. not, no offense, but that's not what I want to do. I don't know where it comes from. You know? And here's the thing you're sort of our guidance counselor now. I mean, in, right. in, in, a yeah, different, right. in a different kind of way. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, uh, so what's it like? Let's go back. You just mentioned a Super Bowl party. When, you're, when you go to events like this and you realize the success that you've had, you're going to have a lot of people that want to get to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've got to figure out their agenda and you have to figure out what makes them tick and why, you know, why do they want time with me? You know, why do they want a conversation or why, why do they want a piece of me? How, how big of a challenge was that as you started growing to be able to pick and choose and, and make the right decisions on who you're going to associate with, like to really kind of insulate yourself and keep a positive inner circle? Yeah. I mean, I learned you got to watch in terms of who you let your client, who you let have access to your clients. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's what you said. Everyone's got an agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, they do have, people do have an agenda as to what they want to do. And it's trial and error. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've made some mistakes in that regard too, right. in terms of letting people in my circle that really weren't involved, weren't there to be friends with me or look out for my best interest, but to get to my guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you you got to watch, you got to watch out and you got to keep it kind of close knit. Yeah. And I'm presuming it got easier over the years. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And it's easier to just look and say, no, thanks, man. I'm good. Appreciate yeah. it. So what are, what are, besides Justin's contract, besides the Super Bowl parties, what are some of the cooler moments of like, did you ever have something happen? You're like, man, I, I never imagined even be this good. Probably the Pro Bowls, you yeah. know, being at the Pro Bowl. When yeah. you're at the Pro Bowl, like, I, okay, two years ago, two years ago, I brought my boys down to the Pro Bowl in Orlando when okay. Justin was there, mm-hmm. right? And we're down in the hotel lobby having dinner, right? Hanging out in the bar section, mm-hmm. my boys. Mm-hmm. And we got... Uh, Des Bryant was there. We got like all the top, top players in the NFL. And my boy's like, dad, this is so freaking cool. Mm. So Ezekiel was on the elevator with us, you know, <laughs> like those type of things. But to be able to share that with my kids. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm like, that, that's pretty cool. Cause like I grew up in Madison, New Jersey. Okay. Mm. None of that kind of stuff was happening for me in my life. And to be able to actually bring that and actually experience that for myself but then let my boys experience it as well too. Right. Make them a part of it. Yeah. It makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. And those, that's the moment I think about that kind of stuff. I mean, you got a great perspective because people, when people think of sports agents, sports agency and, and that lifestyle, they don't think of conversations like this. You know what I'm saying? They right. don't think of the right. fact that you're actually going to, you're going to take time and join us on this podcast, which I greatly appreciate by the way. No, um, sure. But it, uh, the moment and your boys are the age now where they can enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. 
Yeah. Now, here's a million dollar question. You know, I have a lot of uh, friends of mine that play football uh, in college, and and it seems like the offensive linemen answer this question differently than the other ones. But how are you with them playing football with everything that's going on? Yeah, they they both play ball. I mean, they both played ball growing up. My my older son, he was really into it, and he was really pretty good. Um, and then he got in. We got. I wanted him to run track to get faster for football. Right. But then it's cool how life works. That then track became his big thing. Yeah. And football took a back seat. He's like, Dad, you know what? I'm just going to run track because right. I don't want to get my head bashed in. Right. And I'm just going to run track and do that. And it's black and white what your time is. Yeah. He's like, and I like that about that. It's pretty so cool. Like, right, you know, yeah, go for it. You know, but my younger guy, I could tell when he was out there playing, that he, he wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Rob, you don't have to play football just because I'm an agent. I got stuff. Right. He's like, all right, Dad, thanks. You know? <laughs> right? but, yeah. but like in terms of your question, in terms of all concussion, all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? I, I think that, this is my personal opinion, that it, it happens, that kind of stuff is more when the kids are so much bigger and faster, mm-hmm. when you get to the college level and stuff like that, yeah. when they're that big and that fast, running yeah. at each other. I, I think like high school, it's not as bad. You know, but it's still something you, it's something you worry about. You know, not even the concussion stuff, just about getting injured. I remember this past year, he didn't play his senior year. And I remember being on a Friday night at my place and thinking to myself, wow, like it's, it's pretty cool. Like I don't have to worry about Luke getting hurt tonight. Yeah. That's, right? that's put in perspective right there. Yeah. 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 But you know, I, I do love football though. It's given me a lot of great things in my life. It, it seems like you do an amazing job of, I mean, there's no such thing as balance, right? Everyone talks about the balance life. There's no such thing. We're constantly trying to counterbalance, but, but it seems like you do a real good job of working on that with your family, with your, cause it is not easy in, in, in the way you yeah. make your livelihood. Was that, was that hard at first? Was that a trick yeah. for you yeah. at first? Yeah. How, how did you, how did you get better at that? Um, what I do is, well, I'm divorced. Right. So like what I do now, what I did once I got divorced was I tried to plan my trips on times I wasn't supposed to be with my boys. So I had 50% of the time. So I tried to plan my trips and stuff like that when I didn't have my kids. So that kind of worked, worked itself out in that regard. Um, but it always was tough. Like, you know, there's sometimes we're like, I remember being at a game and my son was in a big basketball game. It was a big championship game mm-hmm. and I couldn't be there. And I wanted to be there. But right. like, you know, I get the other thing too, you yeah. got to go out and make money for your kids so they can yeah. have all the, you know, they can have all those good things that they want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It blows, but that's sometimes you got to do that. So now before I ask you the last question and you'll like the last question, where can folks find out more about you and, and, and follow uh, your agency and all that stuff? Yeah, no, no, it'd be great. My website, rsrsports.com. I got my Instagram, rsrsports, and then Twitter, rsrsports. It's rsr sports.com or Twitter or anything like that. And LinkedIn too. I was going to say you're active on LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn's yeah, a LinkedIn's great awesome. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I've been yeah. impressed with that. Okay, that's cool. And are, is, are you Robert or Rob on uh, LinkedIn? I am. I think I'm Robert. I mean, you know, I should probably check that. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm asking you because I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah. I'm Robert, right? Okay. Am I Robert or Rob, bro? Uh, I think Robert. I'm trying to beat you to it. I think I'm Rob I'm a, Roche. I'm Rob you, Roche. All right, we're going to go with that. You're Rob. I am Rob Roche. Yeah, you are. How about that pick, Ed, huh? Look at that. I mean, you know, the profile pick on that thing. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty smooth. That is a pretty there smooth. How, right. old is that? How old is that bad boy? It's only about a year or two old. Okay. Believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, I believe yeah. it. I believe you know? it. All right. Right. You know? <laughs> so last, last question. All right. Mm-hmm. You're sitting in front of a room, and it's going to be very fitting for you because you, you do teach. You're sitting in front of a room of folks that are ready to go out into the world. 
right? And it doesn't necessarily mean they're going into your industry, but they're they're going out to do to to get into the business world. What would be the one piece of advice that you would give them? Okay. Can I do a compound piece yes, of advice? Do, you you can run with it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna step okay. aside and listen. Okay. So when I teach my class, this is the last thing I left them with, right? In terms of I put three things on the on the um on the uh, projector. Is it projector? It's not projector anymore. It's actually the PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Yep. On the PowerPoint. So number one, I put believe in yourself. Okay. If you believe in yourself, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. And if you believe in yourself, you can do anything you choose to do in life. That's number one. Number two was everything's negotiable. Everything is negotiable. No matter what people say, you can actually negotiate what you really want added a deal. And the third thing was to be kind, be kind to other people because it'll come back around to you. Those are three things. Three, three pretty good things. Huh? Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a lot of power in those. It seems real simple, but it'll take you, they'll take you a long way. Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent. Hey Rob, I can't thank you enough, man. This was awesome. Ed, you got it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be out your way soon. So hopefully we can, we can connect. Yeah, grab some lunch or something like that. You know, and we failed, we failed to talk about our good friend, Deion Thomas. Oh, Dion, I mean, he's awesome. Dion's awesome. How did you yeah. guys get connected? Let's let's share that a little bit. See, and so so just a point of reference here. If you're a listener, you don't know the name Dion Thomas. Dion, I would say, is one of the all-time great players from yeah. Illinois, all-time great high school players in Chicago, Simeon High School. And honestly, he is by far a better person than he was a basketball player. No, he's a great dude. He's and, a great dude. And he's on he's big awesome team. broadcaster, too. He is. He's a very awesome broadcaster. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you guys got connected. Yeah, so I started representing some broadcasters about maybe four years ago. Okay. And so I got a couple couple of broadcasters that I represent. And then one of my good buddies, Tim Carley, who does PR for my guys, his actually good friend lived next door to Dion. And he knew that I was getting in doing some broadcasting. Tim was working with me, he was working with me as well, doing the broadcasting stuff. And he said, you know, you should talk to Dion because he does some stuff with the Big Ten Network and stuff like that. Maybe you could help him move forward with his, with his career. So Tim and I reached out to, to Dion. We talked to him and stuff like that. Met him, had dinner with him, stuff like that. And it worked out great. We've been working with him for like three or four years now. Yeah, he's a yeah. great guy. Yeah, yeah. he speaks, speaks, speaks very highly of you. And, okay. Uh, it was funny because I, I couldn't figure out for the life of me why your name sounded so familiar. And it was okay. the day I was sitting there at Starbucks with Dion. And he says, hey, man, this is my boy. I got to take, you know, take this call for two seconds. And right. two seconds turned into like 15 minutes, but it was all good. Well, I talk a lot. You know? <laughs> but but how cool is that small world, right, bro? Well, and that's the thing. Right? If, Isn't if that crazy? If, yeah, people are sitting here listening to this thinking that's how we got introduced. It's not. This was just a yeah. simple, oh, by the way, after a 30-minute phone conversation. Right. And I said, because uh, hey, I saw you from Chicago, and you talk about creating basketball. Well, you know Dion Thomas? Yeah. Well, I know Dion. I know Dion. Yeah, well, for, and I consider him a, a, a brother. I mean, I really do. He's a, he's a great man. But here's the thing. If I'm from Chicago and I say I don't know who Dion Thomas is, then hang up on me because I'm a fraud. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I got you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if someone else does it, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, you know who Dion is in Chicago. Well, hey, it has been absolutely awesome, Rob. I appreciate it and um, look forward to you know watching you and following you. Continue success. Let us know if there's anything you can do. Okay. Um, you can listen to this podcast along with previous podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and our website, theathleticsofbusiness.com. Um, all the podcasts and profiles and show notes are on there. And we appreciate all your reviews on iTunes, your ratings and reviews. That helps us reach more people. And we are right now, as we are talking, uh, being listened to and we're downloaded in 17 countries. Wow. Which is awesome. Cool. So, yeah. So, let's keep rolling on that. And, um, hey, 
I appreciate you. You got it, Ed. Have a good one, bro. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.